Hello. Hello, Joe. And we're back. <clears throat> Where's me apocalypse? Are you far left or are you far right? I'm a bit of everything, man. Just like uh, Muhammad, our diversity unicorn here. He's a bit of everything. <clears throat> uh, no, 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 huh? no, no. You have to pick one or the other. No, he, he, that's why we have him, Muhammad, the diversity unicorn. Yeah, but he can be because he's not a real person. No, he's a real person. He is? Yeah. He's your spirit animal for a start. Anyway, um, you have to pick one or the other. What? I'm a bit of everything. No. Well, diversity. Bit, I'm, I'm all about the diversity. Doesn't fly. Are you pro-Hamas or are you pro-Israel? Is Hamas right-wing or left-wing? Oh, shite. Um, it's left, right? Hamas. Well, that's what all the lefties are. I presume it's left because the lefties love Hamas. So... That makes sense. Ha- lefties love Hamas. Well, oh. yeah. If you're lefty, you love Hamas, so you're anti-Israel. If you're righty, you hate Hamas. So and love Israel. Love Israel. That means, well then, okay, it must be left. So, Although I was <clears throat> reading about it, Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood branch of, in Palestine. Yeah. The Muslim Brotherhood is so far to the right, it believes in a, pan-Muslim theocracy pretty much like ISIS and it's actually prescribed as a terrorist organization in many countries including Saudi Arabia and Egypt where it's too extreme to the right for them and Russia so Hamas is so far right that they've gone left again it's terrorist they've gone so far right they're left I mean yeah ideologically are all terrorists right right wingers are all no alleged terrorists <clears throat> they're not no give me an example of some left wing terror groups uh, the PLO Palestinian Liberation Organization they were considered left that's why Israel supported Hamas as a counter well, counter to them that's, well, I don't know if it's why but that's an interesting switch that happened no but the fact that Israel funded and supported Hamas as a counterbalance to the PLO you assume they're on the other side of the spectrum politically right They'd have more right-wing views if, if the PLO was left. Yeah. So, that's, so Hamas is right-wing then. Extremely so are, right-wing. So why are all the <laughs> why are all the lefties supporting? But they're not supporting Hamas. They're supporting Palestinians. Are Palestinians left or right? Like those people in Palestine now, like that, whatever it is, is it twenty thousand yet? I I saw a report that it was twenty thousand dead total. Ah. Uh, uh, Whatever the actual 15, but six are missing. Right. Yeah. So whatever the actual number is, somewhere between 15 and 20,000 dead and or missing, um, are they all left-wing or right-wing? Are they all right-wing? Are they all Hamas supporters so they're all right-wing? Well, depends where we're having the conversation. If we're in Israel, the media says they're not even human. Right, okay, sorry. So, so they don't get to be... Do they even get to be on the spectrum? Well, I wonder if it's important to them, you know, as they look for their the members of their families under the rubble and stuff. Mm. I wonder, is that high up in their in, in their priority list or in, in, their, in terms of their thinking? Are they, oh, are they absolutely. Really? Palestinians are telegenically aware, as Netanyahu says. So when they're digging in the rubble for their children, they're thinking of Instagram. Right. And how it's going to reflect on, right. on my channel, you know. Oh my right, God. yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. Right, so right-wing propaganda right there then, is it? That's being fed to the lefties and the lefties are taking it up in, in the West because they're supporting the Palestinians in their right-wing propaganda. That makes sense. No, it fucking doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> but this is so where we're at, like, it's just bonkers. Can you imagine if you've just come along and you're woken up 
recently mm. and you're trying to make sense of this. Mm. If we have a 20-year head start, mm. well, longer in your case, uh, it can be confusing to get you know a, a map, a bearing on this. What, a... Uh, 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 on the, uh, an ideological bearing, like a political spectrum bearing. If that's what, if that's your, if that's the confines of your, of, of your, of your perception of the whole situation, if it has to be somewhere left or right wing, which apparently is, is where everybody has to be focused these days, it's like. Mm. Well, you, you said yourself last Monday, with you know Millet's election in Argentina, mm. and he's literally a local. He's pretty nuts. Mm. You know, you find yourself left, but then come riot in Dublin mm. by the working class you yeah. find yourself on their side so you Just find talk yourself about, talk about that far bit. right talk about the details of that then Actually, your builders is elected and talk <laughs> about the details of that since you mentioned it go ahead what Dublin yeah oh, you can't just throw it in there you have to actually explain mm. what happened well sure but it's on the list um, well, you brought Dublin up. first okay well Millet Millet was first but um, you want to talk about Millet what sort of talk about him well, only because it's a week old now, but mm. um, no. Has anything yeah. changed? That he's a. Well, what is he? Do you want to, You can do Dublin first. Yeah, it's, we're Irish. We should probably go on then. Make that a priority. Um, a riot in Dublin happens. Well, that's not the first thing that happened. The first thing that happened was that some random um, non-Irish citizen. He's there 20 years, <clears throat> whatever, we'll get to that in a minute. He stabs kids outside of school on Thursday. Yep. Um, I don't think any of them, I don't think any of them died. Three children and two teachers or something. Mm. But it was premeditated. Mm -hmm. That was clear to everyone who witnesses and then that was confirmed. So the guy was hanging around um, the school gates for about 10 minutes or so. And um, when he started doing his thing, he wouldn't stop. So he's either got, you know, some mental... Well, he, they have since said he's got mental issues. Mm -hmm. um, that led to, yeah, basically a protest that turned into a serious riot. Uh, do you remember anything like that in Dublin? Well, or or anywhere in Ireland, like a, like a full-on riot? Not since... Uh, full on riot, yeah. Well, I mean, burning buses, trying to burn down buildings, several police cars torched. Yeah. You've seen it in England before. But depends. Where, depends. What you mean. I mean, I thought it was funny, like how, how you know commentators in Ireland saying that this is the worst, okay. worst violence. Obviously, uh, it's not worst violence in I've seen and stuff. And then you asked me if there were, any, were there any riots on, in, in, Dublin. in Ireland. Oh, in, in Dublin. Dublin. Okay, Dublin. Yeah. Um, no, probably not in Dublin. Yeah. For context, you know, other countries have had stabby jihadis, mm. they've had car mowings, they've had mm -hmm. bus mowings, they've had out and out bombs, mass shootings. Ireland didn't have, as far as I know, a single stabby jihadi slash Islamic jihadist thing in the whole of the GWAT. Yeah. The global war. So this is its first. That's why it's a bit more like... Mm. It well, isn't it, it's coincidental, though, that, it, that the first one in, in the history of Ireland, it went through the whole global war on terror, which was, you know, fueled by jihadi, jihadi stabbing and, and terror attacks and terror plots and all that kind of stuff across other countries in Europe and in America. The whole thing was, was given legs, let's say, and kept going, the global war on terror, America's global war on terror. Um, 
for, so for 20 years, more than 20 years, uh, it never happened in Ireland. And then the first time it ever happens in Ireland, and it's on a small scale compared to others, uh, is yeah. just is, is in, in the context. I mean, every, all of these things need to be looked at in context. Everything sure. has to be looked at in context, right, no matter what it is. So the context, obviously, is that Ireland has been being uh, criticised and <coughs> lambasted by the... Um, by the Israelis in particular, for not supporting Israel enough and being too pro-Palestinian. And Ireland obviously is historically a pro-Palestinian country because <clears throat> uh, Irish people, particularly in the north, but Irish people all over the country have that in their in their psyche in a certain sense because what uh, Israel has been doing to the Palestinians, the British did to the, uh, or the English did to, to the Irish for a long time and then there was the, the, the troubles, as they called them, in, in the north of Ireland for 30 years from about 1970 until about 2000. Um, when you had, you know, more to the same, obviously not to the same scale as in Palestine, but um, much, much, in much the same sense, uh, you had uh, a state, a powerful state, uh, treating a section of the population as second-class citizens and, and effectively stealing their land and putting their own people on it. So it was, the Irish people are very, you know, ideologically, let's say, or emotionally even identified, <coughs> ident- identifying with uh, Palestinians. So, and it, that's, it, that's it's all. reflected in government level as well. Yeah, to some extent. Of course, now, well, they can't. They have even in our captured. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The government, either global homo zio government, it still is in there too. Governments. Um, yeah, the government is either the members of the government or themselves uh, have that affinity with Palestine or they feel that they have to show that because they because have the, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of the population have that. So anyway, it's strange that this first ever stabby jihadi um, attack happens in, the, in this context of Ireland being criticised heavily by the Israelis for, not, for being too pro-Palestinian and, and then suddenly uh, a, a supposed... Jihadi, obviously he wasn't a jihadi, he had mental issues. And so from Algeria, that's good enough. As long as you're from the Maghreb, the Middle well, East, or somewhere like that, it's good enough. Yeah, the, the details are interesting, because, not interesting really, because it's kind of like common as muck stuff, but everyone's heard it before. But he's been there 20 years. It's not someone who's just landed on a recent... Not an immigrant. He's naturalized, but, yeah, since 10 years ago. So, okay, whatever, he's Irish-Algerian. And he's been on welfare. He doesn't seem to have, a, have held down a regular job in 20 years. What's he doing? Is he married? No. He's living on his own somewhere. The, what's curious about this is that the details that the... For example, on the day of, to mention the fact that you had heard somewhere else that it looks like it's an Algerian, i.e. a non-native, who's done this. The tension was so high that people dumped... Um, to anyone mentioning that, oh, that's racist. You're just being racist. You don't know that's just a rumor. You're spreading the rumor. Where did the rumor come from? Gardy anonymously telling more right-leaning outlets in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that's been drip, <clears throat> drip, dripping all the way from Gardy and other, Gardy is Irish police, other official sources all week long. So the latest one is that, um, it turns out, he was up before a judge in May this year for mm-hmm. a stabbing incident. <clears throat> he has done it before, or had possession of a knife plus intent to do something. The only reason they hadn't done it in the prosecute because the technicality is we're not sure yet if he's mental. Mm-hmm. They're pending a mental judgment of mm-hmm. his state of mind before they can convict him. Mm-hmm. Hang on, lads. We'll wait and see. But that, that's a red flag, not be- because people think, oh God, there you go. Government incompetence these days. That's a red flag because there's an in there for someone to have gotten 
to him to put the worm in his ear to go and do something like this. Mm. That's not the only incident that um, he's up for. turns out that there's numerous run-ins with the police. Yeah. Going back many years. Um, uh, the latest thing that they've drip-dripped about this guy's they're not saying it, but they're implying that there's a motive there. This isn't the first time either in the last two months this has happened. Two months ago, a man of Somalian descent or Angolan, something like that, I think Angolan, stabbed someone at random, passerby at Dublin Airport. It was a big hoo-ha. I mean, it could have led to something there, there and then. It didn't. Quickly bundled away and then the state was so sparse with details. But they eventually <coughs> dripped, dripped. A possible motive, quote, is that he may have, which we can't tell us, he may have had his welfare payments recently scaled down or withdrawn mm. altogether, i.e. that's why he's not, that's why he went over the edge. Mm-hmm. This is really insidious. This is the same thing, by the way, has just happened with this guy. It looks like he may have had his welfare. Mm-hmm. Do you know why, do you see why that's insidious? Mm-hmm. If you're of one persuasion or the other as to what the problem is, you can take it and run with it. If you're a bleeding heart lefty liberal, you go, ah, Jesus, who did that? No wonder he was, oh, my God, the poor man. He I've was done oppressed. that myself. God, love him. Jesus, that's why he went over the edge. Or if you're of the other persuasion, you're like, what are we doing? They're coming in 20 years welfare payments, and then they don't get something, and then they just go mental. And, and we're supposed to just suck it up. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's insidious. The state has a pattern of doing that mm-hmm. in recent stabbing incidents. This is the first time it's like multiple people, so it's going down as more... Well, they have officially ruled that there's no terrorist connection whatsoever. Mm. There may not be, but we should keep in mind that his, the, his, 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 the fact that he's known to the state, to a judge, to mental health institutions, mm-hmm. to doctors, means there's an inn, a tell there, where someone could have gotten... To mm-hmm. manipulate them, yeah, and of course it's, be, it's being used. Uh, even though that's it's not jihadi terrorism, it's being used, especially by Israelis, to say, "See, Aaron, see, see what you get. See what happens when you support Palestinians. This is what you get," which is ridiculous. You know, I mean, there's so many, so much commentary like that on, on Twitter that's just so massively inane and, and you know, uh, oh. mind-numbing that it, it, do, it doesn't bear even thinking about. It. But people are people are saying it and. Um, Particularly, Israeli, Israeli um, um, supporters of Israel are saying it as if it's a valid argument or as if it makes any sense. Um, but it doesn't, obviously. Okay, but give us some, some background about him, at least that the, the state Danes that we can hear about. So what about, what about the, 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 the ferocity of why did it become a riot? Why did it make this national news? Why was it so intense? There's other contextual stuff in recent weeks. I don't be giving me the context now. No, no. Context is all important. So this happened two, two weeks ago. Um, this is just a headline about the conclusion to a case that was uh, very intensely followed in Ireland. Uh, November 9th, man found guilty of murdering Ashling Murphy in case that shocked Ireland. Joseph Pushka faces mandatory life sentence over January 2022, killing of 23-year-old teacher. Pushka is in Ireland 10 years or so. He is basically Romani Gypsy from Slovakia with a history of having been investigated for child, well, underage sex crimes. He himself was also a teenager, so I won't call him a paedophilia. But some kind of sex crime back in Slovakia. When asked 
and this emerged this week because of disclosure in the trial, when asked, the Irish um, Deputy Prime Minister said, um, well, yeah, he may have had a record, but, you know, this is the EU freedom of movement, which is not the fucking answer you should give. And that answer, by the way, came just before the riot and it fueled the intensity of it because people are pissed off with this. So there's freedom of movement in some contexts, namely for people with known criminal backgrounds to get in. Anyway, so part of the reason this case was so, like, <clears throat> intense, well, look at her there. She's an attractive young woman, that's right, right? Well, at the time, it was reported, um, it was a bizarre campaign. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Early, early 2022, it was bizarre. Before there were any facts about who was suspected or whatnot, Irish media uniformly put out this this campaign of how, well, whatever happens here, what's the real root cause of her murder is Irish white male toxic supremacy. All that, all the usual claptrap, mm. woke culture bullshit. It was such a red flag because like, where are they running with this? You know, we're all Irish men on to blame for the death of Ashley. But it was so obvious. You and I noticed at the time, they probably know it was a, new, a newly arrived, new to the community and they're kind of trying to preempt public backlash over it. Well, it didn't work because, well, the riot is connected with this recently coming to a conclusion. And no, it was not a local at all. Um, so that's one thing that's been going on in the background. The other thing that's been ongoing for two years is um, there have been almost, almost 500 protests in Ireland, not just in Dublin. Um, even though the protest against, well, they say they say it's far right protest against mass migration. Period. But if you listen more specifically to those who will actually speak at these events, or maybe hold up placards at the event, it's specifically they want immigration control, such that someone like this Pushka guy has a criminal record. He can't just come in like that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you know, take welfare payments for ten years, and then you know, initiate chain migration and bring all his family with him or extended family members. Um, so it's at least most of them are saying we need immigration control. Um, there's something unbelievable that's been happening. It's not just Ireland, of course. Everyone is familiar with this kind of thing, but lately. In that, like the last decade, tens of thousands, I think the stat is something like 70,000 people mm-hmm. have been made Irish citizens on the basis of flying to the country and, quote, losing their passports on, along the way and then applying for asylum status once there. And it's, it's been so like, egregious that there have been dozens, hundreds. It's not conspiracy theory. There, are, there is a lot of evidence that they are basically collected at the airport, put aside somewhere, oh, you've no papers, well, come on over here, put aside, collected, and then sent to hostels, hotels, um, other centers of hospitality, and they're held up interminably with a view to eventually integrating them not just into inner city suburbs in Dublin, but in rural communities throughout the country. The situation has gone so far. Part of this is that it's overlaid... Well, this is an ongoing issue over the last decade. Um, and last year, in addition, um, tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees, war refugees, were also taken in. So there's two things going on. Ukrainians are now like the second largest minority in Ireland, 
or the largest, I think, after white native Irish, and which is crazy. In just the space of a year, I suppose many, if not most of them, will return when that situation fixes right? or settles down, if it does. Um, but in the background, uh, the two things have become amalgamated because when you go to hotel, it could be a hotel, a you know, beautiful touristic site somewhere in rural West Ireland, or it could be in Dublin, wherever. It's invariably turned into a refugee center. This situation is so chronic. Two-thirds of all, is it two-thirds? I don't exaggerate it. Someone, someone, an Irish TD, like an MP, actually quoted the stats. I, I think, we'll, we'll go with half. I think it's half of all available beds in the hospitality sector. That could be a B&B, it could be a hotel, it could be a leisure center, whatever, are effectively requisitioned by the government. The mm-hmm. government pays the hotels the fees it would otherwise receive from tourists to house these people. Half, half of the, the tourism sector in Ireland is fucked. It's gone. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's been requisitioned. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, Far now. So in, there were about 300 last year and 200 this year, around 500 protests across the country. Um, the media just pillories it as far right. Lunatics, fringe minority, fringe minority. Even though it clearly has grassroots origin because there's not a single political party, apart from maybe a new one which doesn't even have any seats, that supports them, that mm-hmm. speaks with them, that, that helps advance their cause in any way. Mm-hmm. It's grassroots. Oh, it's far right wing. How can, we, how can we even classify it as that? It has no fucking party affiliation to it at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the context in which this happened. So this is basically the latest protest like the others, except this time it's not families with mothers pushing prams from inner cities, suburbs saying, can you put a stop to this, please? You're happy. You're putting people in the building across the street from a school. They're just hanging around there all day long. They're starting to harass kids, chase girls. We're sick of it. Mm. We're scared, you know? Um, At the root of it, it's 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 obviously bigger than just busing people in, collecting them at the airport, and busing them in is just the most recent and more egregious form this has taken. So, um, Ireland is selling its its its, its re- reputation now in the world as that's one of the richest countries in the West. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all bullshit. It doesn't actually mean anything for the people living there. On on paper, it is because it's housing like. Mm-hmm. It's the headquarters for major American companies like Twitter, yeah. Google, Facebook, Apple. So an outcome of this is that uh, hate laws, hate speech laws in Ireland have been kind of fast-tracked. An outcome of, at least they're using the, the, the violence in Dublin a few nights ago as um, justification for pushing through hate speech laws. Yeah. Well, this this flared up in spring and got some international attention. It's so extreme that there is no precedent mm-hmm. for for how not even Germany has it quite as dialed up as this one. This would be literally thought crime. So, if you have any images or quotes from memes in your phone mm-hmm. that sound like they're taking a side that the government doesn't like, they'll take they'll. They'll, they can prosecute you. Mm-hmm. It, it's already it's already starting to bite. So even before this legislation has passed, um, the current the current Taoiseach, Irish Prime Minister, who is actually on his second stint as Prime Minister, even though he's never been elected as such anyway, 
because of coalition rules in Ireland, you can um, yeah you do all sorts of things with politics to, to to make yourself in charge. So he said after this, after the riot, we need legislation. We need that legislation referring to the hate crime one mm-hmm. through, and we need it through in a matter of weeks because it's not just the platforms who have responsibility here. There's also the individuals who post messages and images online that stir up hatred. Mm-hmm. This is the crux of it all. Who's going to define what the hate is, mm. you know, and violence. And we need to be able to use those laws to go after them individually as well. Well, case in point, the, the Irish MMA fighter, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor has been speaking out um, a lot since this. But even before, actually, if in the last two weeks, he started to become a bit of an activist on this uh, mm-hmm. un- un- uncontrolled mass migration in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his commentary is important because, you know, he's got X hundred million followers on all his various social media accounts, which greatly amplifies the topic in the United States, where there's the biggest Irish diaspora, right? Um, he's been linking up with all sorts of people, not least Elon Musk, you know, who replies to him or indirectly to him and off it goes. As of today, Sunday, the Guardian now states it is, quote, investigating McGregor for hate Mm-hmm. Speech. This is the this is the Irish Prime Minister um, just as quoted on the Irish newspaper. Also, we'll modernise our laws against incitement to hatred and hatred in general. This is more acquired than ever before than ever than was ever the case before. The Minister of Justice will coordinate with the Commissioner to ensure we never witness such horrible scenes as the twenty third of November twenty twenty three ever again. So obviously, um, that means that. If there's any, basically it's, it's putting a clamp down on any grievances that any section of the Irish population might actually have. Um, yeah, again, and def- about, deflects about, all about, responsibility for uh, this from them. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, about, the, about immigration. Yeah. We're going to go after the symptoms of this to hell with the economic, socioeconomic causes of this that we mm-hmm. very definitely mm-hmm. helped cause. And it's interesting, some of the ministers in this current coalition government of broken ranks, and they said, "Yeah, we should we we should take some responsibility here." Mm. Not the top two people, mm-hmm. but someone else has. I forget who. Um, and the chief of police and the minister of justice are being hauled up before a committee next week to answer answer how they law quote lost control of Dublin city centre mm-hmm. on Thursday night. No doubt that'll be a, a slap on the wrist. Yeah, next time we'll do better. We'll be tougher. Kind of kind of response, but still. Of course, you're, you're at least partly at fault. No, it's the hate that's free-floating out there for no reason whatsoever. So we're going to attack anyone who sounds like they're in resonance with said hate. Right. Yeah, because the point being that the government is, um, the government is determined to continue with kind of large-scale immigration into Ireland um, you know, can't, you can't call it illegal immigration at this point because there's because no they such, changed well, the meaning of it. There's no such thing as illegal legal immigration anymore, at least in some states, and Ireland being one of them, where basically pretty much anybody can 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 come in uh, if they do it the right way, which is basically, like you said, to destroy their their passports and the flight over. And when they arrive, they have no documentation. Okay, you get processed, and you more or less end up staying in the country. Um, well, so do we want to mention how the immigration laws were changed. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> let me see there. About 10 years ago, they basically did 
what the, the Americans will be familiar with when they, you know, grant amnesty to dreamers and stuff in terms like that. They didn't have the same terminology, but um, maybe this doesn't show up well. From the Wikipedia page of the guy who was Minister for Justice and Equality at the time. His name's Alan Shatter. Uh, okay, that's big enough to read, I think. So, under Shatter's steerage, a substantial reform agenda was implemented. Um, on a whole raft of things, but... Uh, specifically as concerned major reforms to immigration were introduced in 2011. Uh, a new citizenship, citizenship ceremony was created. Uh, Shatter devised and piloted Ireland's first ever citizenship, citizenship ceremony. Um, <clears throat> during his time as minister, he cleared an enormous backlog of citizenship applications and 69,000 foreign nationals became Irish citizens like that. Okay, 69,000. What's the context? Well, the population of Ireland as a whole is 5 million. And that was just while he, he was, he's no longer a minister after 2014. So tens and thousands more have since become Irish overnight. He introduced a general rule that save where there was some real complication, all properly made citizenship applications should be processed within a six-month period. Shadow also took steps to facilitate an increased number of political refugees being accepted into Ireland and created a special scheme to facilitate relations of Syrian families already resident in Ireland. That, and that model was then brought out again later for Ukraine. So, I'm not. it's not just him, obviously. There's a whole regime that has to, you know... Yeah. Uh, write the laws, push for it, and so on. But it's just so weird that this guy is like one of a handful, a relative handful of Irish people who are also Jewish. Well, he fits the profile of that Elon Musk got a bit... Uh, got in trouble by retweeting. Who, who retweet, retweeted... Um, who was it? I can't remember. He retweeted someone who basically said and agreed with him when they said that... Um, that the Jewish groups in America, like the ADL, etc., etc., um, Jewish lobby groups and Jewish interest groups in America were encouraging uh, mass migration, mass illegal migration into America, which is obviously bad for, in theory, nominally bad for bad for Jews, right? Because a lot of those people come from Arab countries and they're Muslim. So the, the narrative goes that that would, it's a bad idea for you to anybody. Well, it's certainly a bad idea for any any Jewish groups to be encouraging the. the uh, the immigration, immigration of um, Muslims into America. That's the narrative, right? Elon mm -hmm. you know, Musk uh, agreed with it, and then Ben Shapiro took it up and complained about it, saying that wasn't true. Okay, there's some left-wing Jewish groups that do encourage you know, immigration into the US, but it's not most. But in fact, it's quite a lot of them and quite a, quite a few of the big ones are not just left-wing. So there does seem to be evidence that there are certain Jewish lobby groups in America, and we could put this guy, Alan Shatter, the former Irish... Um, Culture and something, Minister. Minister for Justice, Minister and, for Justice equality. and Equality. Uh, you could put him into the same category of, for some reason, people of Jewish descent 
Um, and Western democracies seem to be certain, some of them seem to be actively encouraging a kind of large-scale immigration into Western Western countries. And fast, in such a way that it's destabilizing. Why would they do that? And, and in such a way that it overlooks the existing legislation I mean, that normally processes and, and, and separates, okay, you're here, you say you're in trouble, fine. I believe you. I don't disbelieve you yet, but you will go through an asylum process. Hang on there until we check out who you are. Mm. What he's done is he's removed the normal checks mm. and 70,000 become Irish citizens overnight. Mm-hmm. That's all we're talking about here. There is already processes. There are already processes in place in Ireland and elsewhere, mm-hmm. but it's the removal of them and suddenly whoosh, and then, of course, who feels the brunt of that first? Mm. It's usually the poor communities. Mm-hmm. Because that's where they, they're yeah. sent to. Yeah. In Ireland, it's not even that. It's not even that. Well, that's where they, w- you know, would naturally go to if you just let things be socioeconomically. They come in. They're also poor. They they go and live at the poor. They eke it out with them. They're actually bust directly there, and people are taking videos of it. They're like, they, no wonder the poor communities feel like there's a, a conspiracy against them. Mm-hmm. And so Thursday's riot was the first like expression sparked by the stabbing, mm-hmm. but with all these other <clears throat> things lined up behind it as well. Yep. So it's not just, you know, oh, Jesus, look at that. It's just it's an outpouring of hate, and that's not us. That's not Ireland. And we're going to correct this by arresting anyone who, quote, the new hate speech bill will make it much easier to, to secure convictions for hate crimes by allowing prosecutors to rely on the use of hostile slurs, gestures, or symbols. Hmm. It's interesting that Elon Musk is weighing into this, not just directly on the – he replied to Varadkar's statement about how we need to get this legislation through now so we can start he making did. mass arrests. He did. He said um, the okay. Irish PM hates but the Irish people. That, yeah. <laughs> That's quite a pro- provocative counterpoint, you know, like, mm. uh, which is obviously going to get him in trouble as well, at least at the EU level. It's, Musk is smart though. He also responded to someone else, an Irish – activists on this on this issue Mike, Mick O'Keefe I think his name is um, mm-hmm. O'Keefe said to him yeah this is a serious problem you should check out we've been we there, there was like an informal kind of Twitter files Ireland mm-hmm. body of evidence that people who were in Twitter HQ Twitter HQ is in Dublin just like Meta Google Apple all of them and must said yeah we're looking into it he know he knows he can like shirt front the Irish PM, because Twitter HQ is right there mm-hmm. in Dublin, which is a, 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 some leverage he has over the Irish government, which relies returns. on American. Well, it relies on the tax returns. Yeah, American corporate largesse to be quote one of the richest countries in the world when most of it's just on the ba- yeah. on the balance sheets. It's not actually trickling down to people. So. Sticking with uh, Ireland, the, the, obviously the. Hostage releases a four-day ceasefire. Is it over yet? I don't know. Um, but four-day ceasefire in Palestine and hostages being released seems to be going relatively well. But um, this is, the, again, the Irish Prime Minister uh, who responded to an Irish Israeli girl, nine-year-old girl who was released. This is an eno- a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand, that's her name, and her family. An innocent child who was lost has now been found and returned. And we breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. And then he got uh, community noted on Twitter. Uh, 
where I readers add in context that they thought people might want to know, and it says underneath that tweet by him, Emily Hand was not lost. She was kidnapped, <clears throat> taken as a hostage by Hamas. Kidnapping is against the law. Being lost is not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, but that, I mean... The, well, she was originally reported as being killed. As well, yeah. By the Israelis. Yeah. Uh, oh, not the Israelis reported that she'd been killed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just the way Brad Carr kind of portrays it there obviously is um well you know speaks to him trying to it's chart this course like in, in and in relation to the the stabbing in, in dublin a few days ago um you know it all has to be couched in very kind of sterilized yeah. uh, unemotional you know non-offensive non-hate speechy yeah. nobody gets to the feel liberal bad. center yeah Nobody, nobody gets to feel bad about anything he, he says, right? No matter what he's commenting on, he cannot take a position. He has to talk, take the, the 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 big the big picture view, you know, uh, which obviously doesn't address. It's not he's not a good person. If that's his attitude, he's not a good person to be in power in Ireland in the current climate uh, and the state of the world today. It's you know that's why and because people are looking for people are aware that. You know, things are pretty bad in a lot of countries. People have a general sense of um, insecurity and things aren't going well and that kind of stuff. And they tend always in those times to look towards stronger leaders who are outspoken and take a, take a position on things and stuff. So someone like the half-Indian gay Irish PM Varadkar is, uh, doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to fit the bill really for it. So I don't know how long that government's going to last or how they're going to last it, but... Um, well, uh, officially, it's five years in Ireland. So they were, um, <laughs> this is bonkers, 2019 elections in Ireland. Which party comes first? Neither of the ones in power. Mm-hmm. Sinn Féin wins the most seats. <clears throat> and they would have won more if they'd fielded more candidates and more <laughs> constituencies, alas. Okay, so mm-hmm. Sinn Féin won the Irish 2019 election. And so a coalition of the two establishment parties forms against the most popular party. Mm-hmm. And they've been ruling. And the deal was, for the first 2.5 years, the guy who's now the deputy PM was the, was the PM. That's Martin. Michal Martin. <laughs> You've contaminated forever saying his name. Michal or Michael Martin. And then Leo Varadkar gets the other half of the term. Now, that's supposed to play out for five years. So next year, mm-hmm. Ireland, in theory, has new mm-hmm. elections. Um, yeah, they ha- they have to call it earlier. I mean, the, if, if there's another riot or something, they, or maybe not. Maybe these people are so well, they've got the hit piece. They have Teflon around <coughs> them. And they, yeah. They're going to have this law crack down, increase police mm-hmm. harassment of any and everyone who's voicing dissent, and they're going to ride it out till the next election. Well, it's six months away. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this Irish really girl, Emily Hand, uh, like you mentioned, her father, she was originally said initially, like after October 7th, immediately afterwards. Is she uh, Irish as really? Yeah. Oh. That's why he's talking about her. Okay. <laughs> why, would Rad, why would Leo be, be mentioning her at all? Unless she was Irish. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, she was initially, just put that up there, Scotty, she was initially meant, uh, meant to be... Um, said to be killed, said to be told by the Israelis, her, her father uh, was told by the Israelis that she um, was dead and then, so he was, I don't know if they lied or if they, I don't know, she obviously wasn't. Um, and he apparently said, well, I thought it was interesting though, uh, 
On the left from there is really Father Thomas Hans says his daughter Emily's death in Barry Kibbutz siege was a blessing. Uh, so that's weird thing. Weird thing to say, but it can only be in as a result of him having swallowed the propaganda. Of course, the guy, yeah. the, the father, is obviously probably Jewish, uh, as is his daughter. Um, what what he was doing, sending her maybe to family in the kibbutz and stuff. I mean, people or a lot of stupid people out there. Anyway, um, so he thought it was a blessing that when he was told that she was she was dead, probably because he thought that, you know, she because he, he bought all the propaganda about Hamas and how, how they how they mistreated uh, hostages and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, 90, 95% of what you've heard about Hamas over the past seven weeks is, is pretty much really propaganda and not true at all. Um, like, there's just, there's plenty of videos you can see, watch them yourselves, but here's one video of, like, Hamas... Um, uh, other Israeli um, captives being hostages being released. Um, you can go ahead and play it. And they. Um, goodbye. Waving goodbye. You know, smiling. They don't look like they've been treated very badly. Of course, you could put that down to Hamas propaganda and all that kind of stuff. But you can't avoid the fact that those people don't look like. Um, I mean. I don't know what they threatened that they you better smile and wave or you'll be tr- or, or you're not going to get released. Who knows, you know? But certainly they don't look like they've been physically abused in any way. Um, and there's plenty of other videos you can see. Um, I suppose all of them, a lot of them show um, Israelis being released looking well, relatively, relatively in, good, in relatively good shape and happy. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It just undermines. Um, uh, wouldn't be. It's not hard to undermine the Israeli narrative on Hamas because uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, they just dehumanise them and the Palestinians up the wazoo. So uh, it's not hard to come away from that. But the actual evidence of these releases that we're seeing are you know, don't match at all. Yeah. So make it that way. They contrast with the videos of Palestinians being released. Um, the deal is 150 Palestinian prisoners for 50 of the Israeli hostages. And many of them, the, the, the ones they chose, um, the Palestinian side, were children taken as human shields and hostages mm-hmm. 10 and more years ago. Mm-hmm. So they put, they're putting photos of them when they were arrested side by side with how they are now. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, and that's, of course, that's the point. If there was a political point to what Hamas is doing, it's like, we, yeah, we came in and we took hostages because you have 10,000 of ours. Exactly, yeah. But that's, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to bring, they're not allowed to bring any truth or context or reality to this whole debate. Uh, officially, you're not allowed to say that kind of stuff. I mean, you should say it as much as possible because it's the truth. But um, if they had their way, if the West, Israel and the West had their way, that you wouldn't be saying any of that stuff. Um, this is an example of just how far the Israelis go and, and, and their attitude towards Palestinians. Have a, have a listen to this. I want to tell you something that might shock the audience, which is that Israel not only imprisons Palestinians who are alive, they are also imprisoning dead people, martyrs. 398 Palestinians who have already died in Israeli jails or uh, in, in, uh, uh, because they were shot by Israeli army are kept in jail. Those who die in Israeli prisons because of a sickness or because of torture, 
have to stay in prison uh, in refrigerators to complete their sentence. Yeah. Which how does Israel justify years. that, Boudour? How does Israel justify keeping the bodies of, of Palestinian prisoners or people who've died under, under their watch? No justification. 142 of the Palestinians who were killed recently, and mostly young people, a lot of them are children, are kept in refrigerators, refusing to release them as a form of psychological torture against their families, Boudou. as a form of collective punishment against their families. Right. And the 256 are kept in what they call uh, numbered cemeteries where uh, there is a number for each one, and they are just there. Some of them have been there for more than 40 years. Right. So it's an awful kind of practice that, uh, of course, none of that would happen to an Israeli Jewish person. A shocking practice that you described there, Mr. Bargoti. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, that's, that's been really practiced for a very long time, you know, of uh, when they, if they have a prisoner that dies in, in Israeli prisons or uh, someone they've killed or, or whatever, um, a Palestinian, they, they, they keep the body uh, to serve the, out the full sentence. There's, I don't think there's any other... <clears throat> I mean, Israel's the only democracy, and only, the only Western democracy in the Middle East, supposedly, but there's no other Western democracy or probably most any other country in the world uh, who would do that, you know, and they've had this attitude towards Palestinians for a very long time, and they do it, like the guy said, as a, as a practice of punishing the family after the fact, so that not only are they being punished by the fact that Israel, in many cases, killed uh, or, or directly or indirectly killed their, their family member, they're, you're not getting his body back, he's going to serve his sentence, even though he's dead, in a refrigerator until... Um, that, that's, there's something psychopathic about that, you know, for sure. Do you remember the scandal, in quotes, about 15 years ago when a Swedish newspaper did an investigative report on Palestinians who were either killed and then they're taken from the site where they've been killed or they die in custody. And then they returned at night, usually mm -hmm. somewhere, and dropped off. And the family members realized they've been cut open from top to bottom and there's organs missing mm -hmm. that got that got some attention because yeah. you know the Swedish and the Swedish government like had to issue apologies and no no we're not accusing you of anything blah 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 yeah well there's a, there's a report that um, in the, the like they destroyed the Indonesian hospital in Gaza it's pretty much not functioning anymore and there's there's a I think it's a it's a media report anyway I don't know if it's um Western media, um, Al, it, Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera, yeah. Can we play it. Yeah. Why not? Do, do you have it? Oh, okay. Um, read it by Blumenthal, but yeah, I think it's Al Jazeera. <coughs> Main entrance to the Indonesian hospital, one of northern Gaza's largest healthcare facilities, now in ruins. Overwhelmed with the number of wounded and facing a severe shortage of medical supplies, corridors have become wards and surgeons operate on the floor. After Israeli tanks and snipers laid siege to the hospital for days, troops raided it in the early hours of Friday morning before the ceasefire came into effect. We told them we are civilians, we have children and sick people, we are nurses, when they stormed the hospital through the main entrance. They interrogated me with three other nurses. They asked me if there is anyone from the resistance here. They asked me about the entrances and the exits of the hospital. We were all panicking and very scared. 
The hospital has been out of service for weeks. With the extent of the damage, it's not clear whether it will ever reopen. Witnesses recall the horror of Israeli soldiers' interrogation. The fourth floor of the hospital was targeted with a missile. They also cut off electricity and solar power. We had 25 people with broken pelvis who can't be moved. They detonated this entrance. They shot the patients inside the building. They searched us one by one and scanned everyone's faces. While interrogating me, I told them that I am a nurse. They took me to this corner and beat me and asked me so many questions about the hospital, the Israeli captives and hostages, if I know anything about them. Every question was accompanied by a slap. After that they left, we could have gone, but I promised Allah that I will never leave my patients here alone and that I will be the last one to leave this hospital. The Committee to Protect Journalists says at least 48 Palestinian journalists have been killed by Israeli fire. Anas al-Sharif is among the few risking their lives to tell the world what is happening in northern Gaza. The occupation forces have damaged and destroyed big parts of the hospital. There's been major destruction here in the hospital. Even equipment and supplies have been ruined by occupation forces. U.S. media report the Biden administration had been concerned by the ceasefire because it would allow journalists greater access to Gaza, which would, they say, expose the devastation and possibly turn public opinion against Israel. The stench of death forces people to cover their nose. Charred, decomposing bodies, children among them, are piled up in one corner. No burials have taken place because Israeli snipers targeted anyone who ventured out to dig a grave. Streets, schools, houses, shops. Israeli strikes have destroyed them all. After seven weeks in hiding, people are finally able to go outdoors. But with entire neighborhoods razed to the ground, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians have no homes left. Some of Javed, others there. Yeah, they came and took, what did you say, 100 and sure some bodies? To our channel to get the lead. 100 some bodies out of that hospital for reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't even want to think about it. Um, but people are, um, just as, a, as an aside, it, this is so bloody that even the New York Times is noticing the discrepancy here compared with the Ukraine war. Um, headline this week. Gaza civilians under Israeli barrage are being killed at historic pace. In less than two months, more than twice as many women and children have been reported killed in Gaza than in Ukraine after two years of war. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't Putin charged by the ICC mm-hmm. for, quote, forcibly kidnapping 6,000 yeah. children yeah, yeah. from Russian-occupied yeah. Ukraine? Yeah. And that gets you a charge, but Israel... Um. Yeah, it's like... Um, I mean, the Israelis are obviously, you know, racist towards the Palestinians. I don't know if racist is, a, is the right term, but they obviously, they're, they're on record as having called them, you know, subhuman and <clears throat> animals and stuff like that. So, And, and they've done it. They, did, they were doing it 20, 30 years ago, so it's nothing strange. They just kept them under wraps for a very long time, but they really... Th- Treat the really the Israeli government and the media and it's spread down to the population. View most of them view and treat uh, the, the, popula- the Palestinian population as, as subhumans in the same way that the Nazis viewed the Jews uh, and, and other minority groups during World War Two. So I mean that's they've just been good at trying to cover it up. Um, but and, and in in that context, I mean 
why is Israel doing this? I mean, of course, it says it's, it's trying to destroy Hamas, but it's not going to destroy Hamas. It's just creating more Hamas, basically, um, by doing what it's doing, unless it has a complete final solution to this problem where it's going to wipe out all the Palestinians and then it's all done, right? Um, but they're simply creating another multiple generations of, of Hamas fighters and people are going to hate Israel and want to attack Israel for what they're doing to Palestinians. Um, so they see them as sub- subhuman, less than human. And to the extent that whatever the truth is about October 7th and how many Israelis were actually killed, and we'll get, that to, get to that in a minute, uh, the Israeli attitude is, this is just basically a, a process of trying to destroy the Palestinian people. It's not about getting Hamas. That's bullshit. That's a narrative. That's been a narrative all along. They're not trying to root out Hamas or destroy their tunnels or whatever. They're, they're trying to destroy Gaza uh, and, in, and somewhere or other find a solution quote-unquote solution, a final solution to the Palestinian problem, which is drive them out of Gaza and into some other country, and then Israel can forget about them. And they have no problem in killing as many as possible. Like, you know, every day, uh, let's say every two days, even allowing for the, the, the official Israeli claims of 1,200 uh, Israelis killed on October 7th, um, every two days Israel has has uh, imposed an, on October 7th on Palestinians every two days for the past 40 days. Um, so 20 times. So, um, and you, you know, the, between, between dead and injured, there's probably 20 times as many Palestinians have been killed and injured as Israelis were on, on October 7th. Uh, so this is obviously disproportionate, disproportionate uh, revenge or disproportionate... Um, action against the Palestinians, uh, but again, nobody's allowed to say that. It's not you're challenged if you say that. You're allowed to say it, but you're challenged if you say it as if it's, as if it's some kind of like strange. But do you thing condemn to say. Hamas? Yeah, strange thing to say. Of course, no, you don't come. <laughs> who condemns Hamas? To the extent that the Hamas is representative of the Palestinian people, the Palestinian people have been living under an imposed apartheid regime for for decades. They're, they're summarily uh, killed, murdered, prison, imprisoned. Then uh, you know, international law says that anybody has the right to, to retaliate. You know, um, so why would you condemn? You're by condemning Hamas. You're condemning um, the Palestinian people's right to fight against oppression and occupation, and yeah. So anyway, and and the other thing is that it's ra- it is race. The racism is like what pisses me off is the whole racism. Like this is Piers Morgan, for example. This is the guy. Piers Morgan is you know whatever you think of Piers Morgan. I don't know what I think about him. Not a lot really. But um, this is this is this guy Hand <clears throat> Thomas Hand, the the Irish is really uh, girl who was released as a hostage. And Piers is like, this poor man's interview since October 7th broke my heart, but tonight Thomas Hand will be reunited with his daughter. He thought he'd, he thought he'd been kidnapped and killed by Hamas. The news that Emily is about to back there. That was just wonderful. I'm so happy for him. Um, so the whole thing about racism that's been going on for quite a long time, <coughs> people have been accused, been accused of being racist. People in Dublin who are ratting the other night were are, are accused of being white supremacists or far-right racists, etc., you know, this is an ex- that, 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 that screenshot there, or that, that tweet by Piers Morgan is an example of racism. And it's repeated many, many times across the Western media, and it's never called racism. But it is clearly racism, because he's clearly identifying with this Irish guy because he's white and he speaks English. Mm-hmm. Because Piers doesn't post, hasn't posted, and none of, that, none of the others who, who would 
say the same thing about in support of Israel and try to plough a middle ground or whatever, they don't post pictures of people that have looked into Palestinian fathers, for example. Uh, most of them who didn't get their children back because they were killed. He doesn't post, make any tweets about you know, you know, sympathizing with them or being so happy for them. Why? They're human beings, but they're not. They're not human beings uh, from Peter's point of view. Well, they are human beings, but they're not my type of human being. They're not white, Western, English-speaking human beings. Therefore, I don't have as much, I don't identify as much with them and I don't have as much sympathy for them. Can you call that racism? Mm. I don't know. Should you call it racism? Is it just human nature? Has it always been that way throughout history where you identify with your racial, ethnic, linguistic, religious in-group and you, you have much more sympathy for them than you have for others? But it's called racism. That's, the, that's what's called racism. When people express that same sentiment that Piers Morgan is uh, expressing on Twitter, if people in Ireland do that, they're called racist and they would be, they, they run the risk of being put in prison under hate crime legislation if they were to, you know, uh, express this, essentially the same thing, i.e. not showing. Piers is doing it there by, by omission. He's prioritizing the white English-speaking guy and his, his plight and that of his daughter over others that he says nothing about. So you can't really accuse him of being overtly racist, <clears throat> but he's implicitly racist in doing it. Anybody who then is overtly racist, let's say, who would say, I don't give a shit about them immigrants. I want Ireland to be predominantly Irish, you know, white Irish Catholic, whatever. Ireland, Ireland for the Irish. Ireland for the Irish. Then you, you get put in prison for, for saying it, you know? Um, yeah. Well, it's... So the whole thing is, is a joke, and people who don't think you just remember, are lost. You know? Remember the Anglophone media when they kicked off in Ukraine. Mm. But this time it's different. We're used to seeing scenes like this in right. Iraq and Libya. Yeah, but, that's but now it's happening in a white European yeah. country. A Is that not country. racist? Absolutely. Is that not overtly People racist? up on that at the time. <clears throat> you talk about... Uh, they will say they're just looking for some good stories, some, some hope amidst all the tragedy. Because Pierce will, in his defense, he'll say, I, I've been highlighting the, the plight of the Palestinians as well Not these in last the same seven way. weeks. Not in the same way, but... Um, yeah. Talking about people who don't think, like this guy, he's Max Abrams. Just throw it up there. Um, Max Abrams, he's an international security professor and author of books on terrorist dynamics. And he's got 75,000 followers on Twitter. And he posted uh, this tweet, the second tweet below there, right? He said, so there's a group of people somewhere in, I don't know where it is, maybe Europe, or maybe it's America, who knows? Anyway, they're all chanting Intifada, 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 and they're just, you know, different group of people in some Western country. Anyway, so he says, is there any other minority group whom it's perfectly acceptable in the West to threaten with violence? Right, so he's like appalled at this idea that these people, well, threatening with violence, maybe Intifada. They're intifada means rising, uprising. rising up against oppression. But he sees that as violence against a minority group, i.e. Jews. And I just said to him, no, as in, in answer to his question, no, because no other minority group in the West is slaughtering innocent men, women, and children by blaming them for their own deaths. Uh, that's why that's not happening to any other group. If any other group was doing that, i.e. slaughtering innocent men, women, and children and blaming them for their own deaths, they would also be getting the same treatment that the Jews are getting, which is groups of people gathering in the streets shouting in support of Palestine. But he thinks it's, it's going to have to do with, there's no cause and effect here, it's just anti-Semitism hit reduced, and this is this is a professor. This guy can't think for no. shit. Like, I mean, he couldn't. No, no, yeah, I got couldn't think his way of a wet paper bag. You know, he, he and he actually responded to me down below. Yeah. You think it's a global intifada? 
against... Do you think that a global intifada, international terrorism against Jews in the diaspora is acceptable? And I'm like... <laughs> it's like, how does someone... He's a professor. He's teaching people. Yeah, in international And, and that's like yeah. that's like... Yeah, he, he criticized... That's like no... Ed- he, cri- he criticized John Mearsheimer as being too pro-Palestinian in recent weeks. And uh, that, you know, his real politic is getting... In, his theory is getting in the way of seeing the, the situation objectively. So I replied, and then he replied to me, and he said, he said... His reply was something like, actually, and it's true, he's like... He heads up some department that specifically lists all the victims and the numbers and stats on victims of terrorism. The thing is, it's it's how you set the criteria. So anything that ever happens against Israel is terrorism. It's not wars. You know, it's it's how you define. Hmm. If you define the issue at the outset a certain way, then you will start to see everything in that in that context only and so he's a classic example of someone getting like just caught up in a false framing of a situation mm. because he wishes to see it that way mm. he's so biased in that yeah. direction but it's, i mean it's elementary thinking all 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 that's required is some elementary thinking on his part to realize that you know you can't just call everything terrorism in the sense that if a state uh oppresses a, a, pop, a, a segment of their population or another country, wherever, a, a small group of people with over, overwhelming force and puts them in a position where they can't fight back by legitimate means that would make it a war and all they can do is then um, you know, attack civilians, let's say, or, or do so, fight back in any way they can and civilians in, your, in, in the states con- in the, that belong to the state uh, end up getting killed. That's terrorism. Well, obviously it's not. I mean, you put you know, them in the position where they can't do anything else. Yeah, this paradigm is as old as hundred, I know, but it's, years. It's One amazing. man's terrorist is another man's freedom fight. Yeah. But, um, so what's the point? Like, you, know, um, you, you notice that the Israeli media reports that keep coming out about October 7th yeah. might be a situation where Israel is caught yeah, well, there's this, on the horns of a dilemma. The, this is the latest one. I mean, the, we've talked about others in previous shows and stuff, but the, this is just the latest, latest one. There's, and there's a few others around the same on the same topic um, Gary. Uh, on the left one uh, it's uh, on the left one click on it no. anyway um, uh, this is so posted by an Israeli these two girls not thinking this is a good idea to post this these two girls not even 25 years old fought for 17 hours in their tanks operated weapons they hadn't operated before and killed dozens of mass terrorists and saved entire kibbutz in the process. I think we'll be okay. Um, and then the right-hand one is from the Grey Zone uh, reporting one of this. Uh, this was a girl, she was, uh, yeah, I suppose, like used as a poster girl, <coughs> um, Lail Hetzroni, uh, the Israeli, pro-Israeli, people on social media and in the Israeli government, etc., etc., used her picture to say how horrible Hamas were for killing this, this young 12-year-old girl. Turns out she was killed by an Israeli tank. Um, her and many others, according to eyewitnesses, not just, and not just by tanks, but also by Israelis you know, using other weapons, uh, guns, 
you know, rocket launchers, that kind of thing, hand grenades, blowing up houses in kibbutz and killing. So, and then, so that one, the previous one, these two girls, not even 25 years old, so you have two girls, 20, not 25 years old, who had very little experience in a tank. They hadn't operated it before, according to this woman, and they just were shooting. I mean, so the point being, if you know the, there's a context around all of this, and if you know the history of Israel, and we've talked about this before, that Israel has had a long-term desire uh, to get rid of Palestinians one way or another. They needed a justification. There's even, I posted, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, about um, an Israeli historian, and there's been a lot of Israeli politicians saying the same thing, that at some point we need to get rid of the Palestinians one way or another. Like, definitively we have to get rid of them, but we're not able to do that right now because we don't have the justification or the political capital to do it. But at some point we will have the justification to do it, and we will do it. Uh, the problem is that when you... Israel has such control over Palestine, what's left of Palestine, the West Bank and Gaza, that they were providing no means for there ever to be any justification, any serious threat from Hamas or from any other Palestinian militant group to actually do anything that would provide Israel with a justification to wipe out the Palestinians. Some serious, grievous wound inflicted by Hamas or some Palestinian group against Israel would have been the only justification to do what they wanted to do in Gaza. But that was never going to happen because of the control that they exert and have exerted over the open-air prison that is Gaza and the West Bank, which is like, you know, has been under under complete Israeli lockdown for, for decades. So where's it going to come from? Where's this, where's this massive wound or horrible attack by Palestinians going to come from when you don't allow them to do it? Mm. Well, you have to do it yourself. You'd have, to, you'd have to contrive it yourself or create the conditions for it to happen yourself. And I think that's what's happened with you know, a reasonable assessment of it, I think, is that that's what happened on October 7th. First, people have forgotten about the apparent stand-down order on October 7th when there was, for, for eight hours, Hamas, the, the, the Hamas operatives and others that broke out of Gaza. Well, first of all, how they broke out of Gaza, because mm. generally speaking, you can't break out. You'd be, you'd be gunned down and shot down before you got anywhere near the fence. Yeah, There's right. 100 metres of, of, of no man's land. And yet in the videos, 400 metres in total. In their actually. own GoPro videos, you see them on the bikes approaching the fence, which has already been cut and had a metal ramp installed for the bikes mm-hmm. at multiple points. Mm-hmm. So how was that set up beforehand without them seeing it? Yeah, well, we don't know the exact details of it, but like it's very easy for Israel just to stand down the watchers on the on the on the border fence and to allow them to, to break through and then to give them relative free reign to ca- to take hostages and stuff. But at the same time, you send in at a certain point into the kibbutzes, you send in people like these young girls and others, and maybe even kind of death squad type people who go in and uh, create a situation where you have a large number of really is really dead in order to justify it, in, in order to create this cataclysmic uh, event. Uh, that will galvanise the Israeli people and, and galvanise the politicians and get international support behind them to do what they've just done over the past seven weeks in Gaza, which is start and proceed with their long-desired uh, process leading to the long-desired goal of wiping out the Palestinians in Gaza, at least. We heard earlier the White House's concern that pausing would allow journalists to come in and then the world will see even more of the destruction that's taken place. Indeed, um, that would be my, quote, concern too. Like, how do you... Do you this is scheduled to last four days, and mm-hmm. then what? Is this restart? Mm-hmm. Or do you need a new impetus to keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. People... You know, the problem is in, in all of this, just want to, just, I just want to make a, a general point about how clueless people who haven't lived under 
the kind of conditions that the Palestinians have lived under have no understanding of of what it's like and how they themselves, if they had that understanding, would uh, or had that experience, would 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 not be condemning the Palestinian people, not be condemning Hamas, even if they did do what they what they they are alleged to have done on on October seventh, which I don't think they did because they themselves said they they don't attack civilians, um, they go after the the military uh, installations and military personnel because that's who their who their fight is with essentially. And that's been consistent with other, you know, groups labelled terrorist groups in Europe and around the world in different, uh, over, over in, the mod- in the modern era in the past 30, 40, 50 years, where they, know, they themselves know that it's not a good idea for them to just go around indiscriminately killing civilians of their enemy because it gives... The only chance they have is popular support. Right, they need to have... Yeah, well, they, they might lose popular support amongst themselves if, they, if they're seen as just amongst their own people, if, they, if they're seen as just a bunch of bloodthirsty civilian killers... And they know it would turn international opinion against them, and it would give their enemy the justification they ha- that they need to go and wipe them out or to, to attack them back. So it's it, it's all in in any in any situation that's been similar to the situation with Palestine and Israel. It's always been a case the situation has been the same, where it's been a state uh, fighting against some kind of resistance group, and that resistance group has always known because they're led and run by smart people that. Killing civilians isn't a good idea. Like I just said, it gives the, the state an opportunity to... It, it destroys your reputation amongst... Uh, in the global reputation amongst the popular public opinion and it also can uh, undermine your, your support amongst your own people if you're seen as just a bunch of uh, bloodthirsty animals, right? So you have to keep it moral. They all have this... They all, they've all claimed... But here I'm talking about like uh, the IRA in, in Ireland, ETA in Spain... And, and and several other groups in, in 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 different areas around the world, they all claim to be fighting against oppression and moral. They were all they all claim to be taking the moral high ground. Someone who claims to take the moral high ground can't turn around and then kill civilians and behead babies, etc., etc. You don't do that. That is nearly always propaganda by the state that that you're fighting against. So the point is, um, but living under those conditions where you're fighting against a psychopathic state that's trying to kill you and is using all sorts of different methods and methodologies to undermine you and to turn the people against you and to smear you, etc. Uh, and and, and the, the basic trauma that the people experience and the hatred they have for the oppressive state leads to them doing certain things that can be used against you, if you know what I mean, in, in certain situations. So if... For example, the Hamas gets out and and is able to like you know launches some rockets or ro- launches some RPGs or something out of kibbutz, for example, thinking that there's military there would have been killed some civilians, and they go back home and the and the, the, the Palestinian people are are cheering. You know, on nine eleven they showed the Palestinian people cheering mm. uh, and, and other Arabs cheering about nine eleven and how horrible that was and all that kind of stuff, uh, and they get condemned for that as being evil. Mm. atavistic animals type thing well people who say that don't understand have no understanding of the conditions in which those people live and how if if they were in that same condi- situation they would react in exactly the same way mm. um, so it's just a lack of I mean it's it's hard being in a position where you understand <coughs> the dynamics and, and the, the context and the reality around the situation and having to listen to and watch other people either it's, hard, it's hardest when people are genuinely ignorant about it, 
and they're and they're coming up with the wrong takes on it because they're just stupid, and it's just as bad, I suppose, when you see people deliberately, um, you know, trying to trying to smear people who are ultimately the, the, the victims of of aggression and oppression, smear them as being animals, when it's obviously in any normal person's mind, it's the it's the oppressor and the aggressor who's the animal who's acting in an animalistic way. And we've seen that with the Israelis. The Israelis are acting as animals towards the Palestinians while calling Palestinians animals. Yeah. Um, and it all, it all, the key part is that it, it rests on a case, a claim that they're being moral yeah. in the process of being so. Yeah. If somebody comes into your house and murders your family, you're going to, you're gonna, and if it's some identifiable group, you're going to, uh, you're going to want to seek revenge against those people. And if you catch them, you're going to beat them bloody. And then if someone's there with a camera to take pictures of you beating them bloody, then you could be presented as an animal. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I don't think anybody's anybody on the pro-Israel side are either stupid or just not, not sincere. They're, they're, they're not serious people. The ignorant ones are not serious people because they're so stupid. And the ones who are obviously deliberately deceptive about it are, are not serious people. They're just trying to manipulate you, you know. Um, yeah. There's um, supposedly a new flotilla forming in Turkey mm-hmm. of up to a thousand boats. So that's some uh, protest action taking place. Yeah, where's that going? Has it actually started yet? <clears throat> Don't think so. It was reported about five days ago. They're just still in the process of gathering in Turkey, but this time they won't try to actually break the blockade by mm-hmm. landing in Gaza. That's probably not the smartest thing to do, but they, they'll stay out in international waters mm-hmm. and attempt to disrupt Israeli shipping. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that because there have been some other protest actions as far away as Australia. The um, protesters descended on the, the loading of a cargo ship in Sydney mm-hmm. that was bound for um, Israel. I'm not sure how they knew that, Elsewhere, um, docker, docking dock workers and stuff uh, have refused to load ships in like Barcelona. That's, that was a decision taken not actually by like labor, union laborers, but um, by the city itself. Barcelona said, <clears throat> anything we think is bound for Israel is not going. Um, so that's, okay, that's some protest stuff, but the serious stuff is taking place um, near Yemen, where the Yemeni... Uh, Houthi, Houthi mm. rebels, those who shall not be named, because if you read Western media reports about this, they just say armed men boarded uh, either. Initially, it was one. People have probably seen this, but I think it's cool footage, so we're going to watch it again. This happened a few days ago. Um, this is a Yemeni raid of an Israeli cargo vessel in the Red Sea. First I thought, oh, that's a cool drone. It's not. It's a camera fixed under a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And they land um, some Houthi fighters on the ship, and it's now indeed been um, impounded. I don't know if they took it back to Yemen, but they took control of the ship. Um, Israeli ship, not sure what that means. Maybe the Yemenis themselves have a good idea. It's either cargo bound for Israel or it's owned by some Israeli interest. Um... First one, yeah, it was known today or yesterday. 
Yeah, there's another report today since this one. Okay. Uh, since that cargo ship, two more have been taken by the Yemenis, including an oil tanker. This is AP News today. Um, attacker sees is well. One is Israeli linked tanker off Yemen, and a third such assault. Scroll down there a bit. <clears throat> um, okay. While no group immediately claimed responsibility, of course it was the Yemenis. <laughs> we shan't name them though. It was just random terrorists, which is of course which fits with Israel framing of all this. It's it's they want it to be couched in the basic terms of well, there's civilization, and then there's random people who come in from from the nether regions, mm-hmm. armed to the teeth, and they just hate us for our freedoms. For no reason whatsoever, they just take our stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, a suspected piracy incident um, <coughs> managed by Zodiac Maritime. I'm sure, I'm sure it's not just a random hit that, that the Yemenis know what they're doing when they target these vessels. Because if you keep scrolling, I, I think one of them for sure is owned by... Um, yeah. So Zo- London-based Zodiac Marita- Maritime is part of Israeli billionaire Al Ofer's Zodiac Group. So they know what they're doing. Uh, the Americans Amer- the say U.S. and coalition forces are in the vicinity and we are closely monitoring the situation. Well, yeah, you may be, but you either couldn't stop it or you're biding your time to strike Yemen. We'll see, what, we'll see where that goes, but... That's that's the most serious protest, actual like physically blockading of Israel that's taken place so far. But in conjunction with the flotilla, which you know would be more like a a people's protest, mm-hmm. that could be where things develop. You know, just making life economically harder for Israel. Of course, ten fifteen years ago, the BDS movement boycott, divestment, sanctions tried to get off the ground. But <clears throat> Zionist countergroups came in and smashed that right. at, the, at the level of protest groups in in Britain and the U.S. Um, there's one other. Well, I don't know if this counts as a protest movement, but um, I thought it was interesting that the Belgian Prime Minister, together with Spain's mm-hmm. illegal Prime Minister, according to Vox, but whatever, um, were at Rafah, the Egyptian crossing into Gaza, this week. After meeting Netanyahu, so they did the whole liberal center thing. We'll meet both sides and call for peace. Well, they, they did, sure, but then they <laughs> stood there and they gave a press statement mm-hmm. calling for an end to the destruction of Gaza. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's the most, at the official level, that's the most, that's the strongest response I think I've seen yet from any European official. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but there could be more in the wings. Like we noted that the the switcheroo that took place in the British government, where Lord Cameron came back as foreign minister, mm-hmm. and he's apparently also visiting at the moment. And similar statements were issued to his office. Is now his foreign minister in a mm-hmm. foreign office, um, where they seem to be aware that Israel has gone too far, and you know our other allies in the Middle East are putting us under serious pressure Mm -hmm. to at least, you know, if not stop it, try to Mm -hmm. pull pull the leash back in a little bit 
on Israel, which is completely opposite to how this started out. You remember Washington and on October 8th sent two massive and then it became four aircraft carrier groups. And Biden just stood there in front of the whole world press and said, nobody think about doing anything. Mm-hmm. I, while Israel does this, you know, they have total green light to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the European and the British responses is different now, at least officially. That They're more like, no, it's not, you know, carte blanche to do whatever you want. So there's some movement at official levels in the West. But otherwise... Well, they certainly have had carte. What, 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 what would carte blanche do? Whatever they want, look like. Well, they have had it, but I'm saying that it might be coming to an end. Mm. Um, the, oh yeah. So, um, is is Greta Thunberg far left or far right? Both. Both. Latest video shows her in Stockholm chanting smash zionism oh my god wait a minute wait she a minute. left right left right left right um it's got it's got the liberal center very worried here's a massive nonsensical article in der spiegel uh it might be behind a paywall uh, whatever Anyway, the accusation... oh it's not good okay has greta thunberg betrayed the climate movement an idol loses her way. Is Greta Thunberg anti-Semitic or just incredibly naive? <laughs> um, Where did she say smash Zionism? Ah, uh, well, she says it in Swedish. So oh, yeah? In her defense, she was hoping... No one would understand. Yeah. The, the Epoch Times that... That... Um, rapidly anti-communist outlet in the United States has footage this is from a few days ago alright smash Zionism in Swedish though um there's a more worrying development, and this this probably speaks to both the topics we covered so far. The stabby jihadi riot incident in Dublin, and this topic. Um, I'm not sure how much longer we can talk, frankly, about any of this. What do you mean? Um, two days ago, hundreds of German police raid properties of Hamas supporters in Berlin across the country. Okay, so you think, oh, well, phew, I'm not a Hamas supporter, or I'm not, you know. But let's scroll down and, and, and break down the who these hundreds were. Initially, the AP reports, German police searched the offices of the properties of Hamas members and followers. So you're thinking, oh, okay, well, that doesn't include me. I, I'm not actually sending money to Hamas or something doesn't concern me. Well, it kind of does concern everyone because um, that's just the first set of raids. A whole shitload of other ones took place. So you scroll down now and you find that German police are also raiding um, <clears throat> Okay, that's still about Hamas um, 
on Tuesday. Another incident. Police raided the homes of 17 people in, in the southern German state of Bavaria who were accused of spreading anti-Semitic hate speech and threats targeting Jews online. Separately, November 16th, German police raided 54 locations across the country in an investigation of a Hamburg-based organization suspected of promoting the Iranian leadership's ideology mm. and possibly supporting activities of Hezbollah in Germany. So you see, we're a long way now from material support to Hamas. Mm-hmm. We're talking about possible, possible, someone said something online that possibly smacks of ideological alignment with Iran slash and with Hezbollah. Mm-hmm. You, you see right there, what's troubling about this is the amalgamation of Hamas slash Iran slash Hezbollah slash terrorism, mm-hmm. i.e. ISIS, mm-hmm. that Israel wants everyone to see. You're wondering where Jordan Peterson got, he didn't just come up with this on October 8th when he wrote that diatribe of connecting all these things together. This is how the extreme center in all Western capitals sees this. This is where they want to go with this. Mm-hmm. Amalgamate it all together. Hmm. Okay, so if you're thinking to yourself, well, <clears throat> I've no actual ties to Hamas, so I'm okay to say, you know, so long as I keep it reasonable and don't go and flout pre-existing laws against anti-Semitism, like Germany has very tough ones mm-hmm. on the books already. So you're thinking, okay, well, I can still criticize Zionism. It's not looking like it's going to be the case much longer. Right. To criticize uh, what's happening in Gaza... Uh, and or anything that is, well, how broad is it? In Dublin, it was, you said hateful things, or you said something that might be a slur. It might be. It's possibly construed as. Who decides? Who defines it, you know? That's, yeah. That could be opened right up to Mm -hmm. everything we ever said on this show. Yes. Except we don't live in Germany. Well, this is—it's not going to be limited to Germany. Obviously, with the piloting of this legislation in Ireland, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see where this will go next if the current trajectory, if they, yeah, continues. If they if they want to make it, if if the plan is to make it kind of you know universal, let's say at least in in the West, then it's gonna maybe taken up but who knows I mean it's, it's, I don't think they'll get very far with it in that respect they'll try it out and because um, at the end of the day you know if, uh, as long as unless the people are completely subdued like mentally and psychologically and that's what they want obviously they don't want people protesting or getting violent you know but if they put you in a position like I said even kind of like the Palestinians if, if governments in the West put people in, in Western countries in a position where they have no other way to address the course that the country set on other than by being violent like they were in Dublin the other night then who's to blame and in, in, in Dublin it's like it was roundly condemned these people are just looters and hooligans and burning buses and stuff and um, and that doesn't achieve anything <clears throat> which is yeah in a certain sense it's true but what if the the laws in the country are such that you cannot actually say what you what you think that's you're not allowed to have yeah. a protest or, 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 and, and speak those things like with, with the hate speech laws. Like you're not allowed, you can have a protest as long as it's peaceful. But now so you can have a protest as long as it's peaceful and as long as you don't say certain things. You know, as long as you don't have well, uh, certain things written on your placard. 
you know. Uh, in, in Germany, you can't just have a peaceful protest for Palestine. That's considered as well, yeah. Right now, yeah. yeah. They've broken up a few of them. They can't yeah. do them all. There's right. just too many people of Muslim reaction and or yeah. leftist support for it in Germany. But they've tried to make examples. They've tried to – there's a new law declared like the day after October 7th. Mm-hmm. Waving the Palestinian flag is – you may as well be waving the white flag of ISIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean if they, if they put people in that position, then um, – and they start passing hate, hate speech laws and kind of stuff and put people in prison for hate speech laws, they're going to create a backlash uh, uh, yeah, amongst the population. Sure. So, sure. and, and then they'll have to backtrack. So it's kind of like stupid in a certain sense, you know. That It's a game of chicken. It's an almighty game of chicken. Yeah. I mean, in the West, you can't just, uh, Western democracies cannot just impose these draconian, totalitarian laws and enact them and put people in prison for thought speech or, or whatever they call it. Um, Why can't they? Huh? They can't do it. They can't do it forever. No. I mean, they can they can do it for uh, and try it out and then see what happens. But if they push it too far, eventually there'll be backlash. It's the same with everything, no matter what they do, unless you do it in some kind of a overt, you know, it turns into a complete police state. That, but then you have to, you know, I mean, who's? It's not just the population that has to be forced to go along with that. You have to have, you have, to have the whole political class and business class and all that kind of stuff who agree. And it happened, let's say, in Nazi Germany and other countries that went went dictatory, right? So there is precedent for it, but. What are the chances of it happening everywhere in every single European country? Well, in a world where you've got centralized control, chances yeah. are higher. That's the point of centralizing everything. European Union, WEF, Yeah, but, but you're already seeing even the, the even, you're even seeing the attempt to do that, having pushbacks from individual yeah. nation states. So even before it gets off the ground, they're having pushbacks, not pushback from actual governments. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it doesn't seem like something like that has a has a future, you know. Even though they might try. Yeah. All right. So what you're saying is, calm down, Neil. Just calm down, Neil. Just calm down. We'll see. Just keep your eyes on the uh, um, on the HP clause. Two elections last week: Argentina, Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two. It's six days away, so it's too late to say anything about Millet. Everyone's already spoken <laughs> spoken the piece, but I want to point out one thing. This is the Wikipedia page of his new vice president. This is this is topical to what you were just talking about. Um, the right to resist and militant groups generally of, on the leftist side fighting back against generally tyrannical rightist dictatorships. She's the vice president. Victoria Villa, Villaruel. Um, scroll down to... Well, her early life is interesting too, but I specifically want to highlight what she's been doing professionally. Um, Let me scroll down some more. She basically on a think tank circuit, speaking at the Oslo Freedom Forum in 2011, Villa Ruel challenged what she describes as the official history of modern Argentina, arguing to that According to that history, terrorism took place more or less exclusively during the Dirty War when the nation was under a military junta. Her point of view was that organized terrorism also occurred between 1973 and 76 when it had a democratic government, i.e. leftist guerrillas fighting against the military dictatorship. Um, She postulated that the two major Argentine guerrilla groups of that era, the People's Revolutionary Army and Montoneros, 
had links with the Castro regime in Cuba and with the Palestinian Liberation Organization, PLO, with at least one of the groups training Islamists in the Middle East and supplying the PLO with weapons that were used in deadly attacks on Israel. Mm -hmm. She later said that this history was covered up by the Kirchner government of the 2000s that the terrorists of the 1970s went on to enjoy the Kirchner's protection and that many of those former terrorists held positions of responsibility in the Argentine establishment. Uh, in her talk, Villarreal also accused the Kirchner government of acting in complicity with Iran. That is like, it's like a mirror image history. It's revisionist history. Why, where is she coming from with this? Her daddy and her granddaddy were in the military dictatorship. Mm -hmm. They were the top, she's from the top military family mm -hmm. in Argentina. She is the establishment, the political caste that her, her, her local uh, new boss, Javier Millet, was bashing everyone about, yeah, yeah, that's why we're getting behind him. He's our Trump. <laughs> she's from like the queen and the queen. Military dictatorship. Yeah, not she, only that, but she's been spending her time uh, oh, her, she's not from the background. liberal establishment, though. That's what Malay's got a problem with. She's not from the liberal establishment. Ah, oh, it's the same thing. In 2008, she took a course in interagency coordination and combating terrorism at the William J. Perry Center for Hemispheric Defense Studies. So she's a graduate of Washington, D.C., and then she's on the think tank circuit. And she's expressly trying to link, quote-unquote, our lefty problem here in Argentina with Israel's problem over there. That means Hamas are lefty then. According to her. Well, she's, she's talking about the PLO. Oh, okay. So she can make it make sense in history. Mm. And Argentina has a weird history with Iran and Israel because of the bombings that took place there in the 90s that were framed on Hezbollah and Iran. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the bombings against Jewish it, it, Jewish it didn't come up as a topic during the campaigning. But it's, it's bizarre how Iran, Hezbollah, and, and Israel's security interests were, were centrally and there in the background <laughs> of the election of, quote, Argentina's Trump. Anyway. Yeah, it's very, very strange. And this is why it gives rise to all sorts of conspiracy theories. Then there's the Dutch election. As they call them. One of his first tweets is, Geert Wilders, after 25 years of trying, he's finally in office and he's like, you know, and then the whole right nationalists is like, are like, yay, we won. Mm -hmm. His first tweet is, Jordan is Palestine. Gert Villers. Yeah. What was, the, what was the fucking point of fighting 25 years to overthrow the globalists, you know, and to fight for the national, for Dutch people to announce that Jordan is Palestine? That was apparently his first. What was what's he trying to say about Jordan is Palestine? He's been saying for years. His whole shtick, he was like he spent enormous an enormous amount of those twenty five years going around giving lectures to people about how evil the Quran is and quoting specific passages. He's that anti Islam. What does he mean Jordan is Palestine? Oh right. This the thing is uh it's an Israeli core has claim. It's like guys what do you mean you're Palestine? That's our Israel. You have a Pal Palestine okay. is, there's so many Palestinians who fled into Jordan. Yeah. You have a country right next door. Go for it. It's all yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas, the, which completely overlooks that the people he's talking about, the Palestinians, no, they're from, they're not from Jordan. You can't just, they're from Israel. You can't just, from oh, this isn't Palestine, like, which is Israel, which yeah. is. Um, so, yeah. 
Hmm. It's, it's a big win. It's fine. It's weird how they get their big win, you know, in the context of Israel first. You know what I mean? The issue of the mm-hmm. day is where do you stand? Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Mm-hmm. You do? Okay, you can be elected. You know, that's kind of the flavor of what just took place this last week in these two elections. So, on everything else, Gert Wilders barely supported the farmers' protest. Johnny come lately in that. In fact, the initial protest organizers didn't want him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, staunchly pro-COVID vaccine. Hmm. Is he a WEF boy? I don't know. He is pro-Russia, though. Um, and like I said, his his whole shtick is Islam, Islam, Islam. Um, in fact, he's so he's so anti-Islam. At one point in 2015, he was banned from entering the UK because he was, would have been too much uh, for disturbing the peace. He would be too much of an extremist. He was going to give a lecture on how evil the Quran is. And now he's going to be the prime minister. Now he's the prime minister of Netherlands. Um. There was a big anti-Semitism march today in London. Big. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Looks like thousands. Is Tommy Robinson. Large? Tommy. Tommy's been arrested. Tom, Tommy got pepper sprayed. <laughs> he got arrested and bungled out of there. Let's yeah. watch this. This is, this is um, breaking news. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. It's... it's it's like, how did he ever become the face? Well, it's, it, there's two verses. He became the face of the British right in some contexts, and then Nigel Farage, of course, in others. Don't know what he's alleged to have done, but uh, maybe they just saw him and said, you shouldn't be here. Maybe there was a court injunction against him. And he's been arrested for like that. 50, 50th time or something. Of course, he'll make the headlines tomorrow, or if he does, I don't know. Maybe just a side note, because the main story is that there was this this march in London. Um, there's something... This, this, it shouldn't be Tommy Robinson and Nigel Farage that everyone... The, the British version of Geert Wilders should have been this guy. Whoa. Did that auto, uh, auto play? Sorry about that. <clears throat> um, Nick Griffin. So Nick Griffin founded the British National Party in early 2000s, I think. Um, and he was pilloried as far-right, Nazi, blah, neo-Nazi, blah, blah, blah. The same as all the other right parties, some of whom are now acceptable, and one of which just got elected into government in the Netherlands. But there's a difference, though. He continues to be pilloried as such, whereas the others have had much of the extremist charges dropped. And instead, in Britain, the people you know are Nigel Farage because he formed the UK Independence Party. Britain formerly left the European Union, then he formed the Brexit Party. You know, So he's kind of like the go-to on the British right. And or Tommy Robinson for the street, you know, the working man's right on the street. Mm-hmm. But it should have been this guy. If you scroll down, there's a clip from him from like 2011 explaining what happened at some point in the late 2000s. And as you know, over the last couple of years, there's been an immense amount of effort thrown at this party and the key individuals in this party at various local as well as national levels to take us out of the field. Out of all the groups 
The most important one by a mile was the English Defence League, British Freedom Party. That was a serious, systematic, hugely funded effort by a section of the ruling elite, by this Zionist neocon clique, to dominate, to simply take over nationalism and turn it into their tool to encourage the white working class to go and fight their wars and so that when the banking collapse comes, people are looking in the wrong direction instead of the real culprits. This party, we were approached. I was approached. We were offered money from the United States. And all they wanted was two things. They only wanted us to concentrate on Islam. And I yield to no one in my criticism of Islam and grooming. I put my neck on the line. Many of you have put your neck on the line as well. But it's not the only problem. And they wanted us only to focus on that. And I only came with one other thing. They wanted us to drop our criticism of the banking system. Those were the only two things. We had to concentrate on talking about Muslims, and we had to drop our criticism of the international banking system. And I refused, and we refused. That was in about 2007. And all hell broke, lo broke loose, really, from that time, when systematically they tried to take this party apart. And there's the self-same people in groups, uh, various of the so-called Tory think tank groups and so on, things like Policy Exchange, things like the Centre for Policy Studies, the self-same people who organised and ran Nothing British to devastate the BNP's electoral chances with lies in the sun and things like that, those self-same people were there right at the start conspiring to create the English Defence League, then the British Freedom Party, to take real nationalism in this country and break it on the wheel and then replace it by their puppet. And we stood up to that, we faced it down, we've exposed it, and we've broken it. Their effort is broken, and we are still here. We are nationalism. We're going to stay nationalism in this country. And when was that? That was, he was a bit optimistic. That was 10 years ago now mm. when he said that. The, the reality is BNP remained unheard of. No one knows it outside of Britain. So yeah. they, they ought to have, though. All things being equal, they would have been first on the scene. But there was, he's, he's claiming there's an effort to subvert and take over and redirect. And that's Which is what happened because all British nationalism right now is apparently Israel first. Yeah, and not just there, but wherever it's... I don't know about Germany now, mind you, the, the, eight, the mm. alternative for Deutschland. Mm. But it's probably something similar. Yeah. You know? oh, any, any group, it seems, in, in any European country that's anti-immigrant... Anti-immigration is, is pro-Israel. Yeah. Apart from Ireland. Yeah. Well, th there is one party in Ireland which has a similar message as this, but again, no one's heard of them. Hmm. The National Party. Um, There's change. Uh, yeah. What else has been going on? Not much, right? What's going? Give us, give us crystal ball there. Where's this going in, in Gaza? Just going back to, uh, going back to um, what it was before after the ceasefire. Um, in the last ten years, ceasefires have been really bad omens because it's always been. Um, like something like someone someone counted it thirty four times 
in Syria, whenever the Russians and the Syrians agreed to a ceasefire, the other side just rearmed. Mm -hmm. Israel and Britain and America got the weapons in. Quick, quick, quick. Okay, go. You know, Uh, Ukraine, similar. You know, Russia's not taking any chances anymore with ceasefire, especially after the two Minsk agreements. Mm -hmm. So they tend to be really bad omens because it means it's about to get much worse. Um, Yeah. And words in, in this case, though, the one on the the smaller party in the conflict, which is obviously the Palestinian Hamas, which is you know very limited ability to fight back. Th- there is no, there's no risk. There's no serious risk of them rearming because no. there is no external source of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe not. Maybe what I said before that some European governments. Um, behind the scenes seem to be saying, okay, look, you really can't just keep going on with this. Um, but because they're hearing from, you know, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, UAE, that um, the pressures on them in their countries are so intense that they're not sure that, you know, their own security at home is mm-hmm. secure. You know, the, uh, Jordan would be the one to look for, I think. For like a kind of popular uprising, but Israel can't just stop now. Like it's in too deep, Ala Macbeth. They've just they've just they've just increased rather than rather than do something about their their so called Hamas problem. Uh, they've just uh, multiplied it many fold. Well, yeah, they actually just made it worse. So I'm pretty sure that it wasn't their plan to just go this far and then stop. Yeah. Um, well, they have half of the strip. Yeah, but they're going to have to. They're going to have to. They're going to have to take all of it. They're going to have no. They're going to have to give it up. Like if they stop now, they'll have to give that up. Maybe, but, maybe Netanyahu said we're not leaving. No, they have to. I mean, that's in your scenario. If yeah. if, if they if they if there's if there's enough pressure from without, which uh, I don't know if that's even possible, to, to make them stop, then they're going to have to give up as part of the deal like that. They would have to give up the gas strip. They'll just have to go home, basically. You know what I mean? Mm. Because uh, all of Gaza can't live in the bottom half of Gaza. And you have to give the rest, give it back to the, the, the people of Gaza and let them rebuild and let in massive uh, international aid and all that kind of stuff. Flotillas, all that kind of stuff. And in amongst that aid, obviously, you would have a lot of... Uh, you know, weapons smuggled and all that kind of stuff, and within a year or two, you would uh, be back to where you were. Well, you'd be worse, worse off. Okay, realistically, Israel has to keep going mm-hmm. to see this through. Mm-hmm. Gaza is fully occupied, and possibly the West Bank is as well to some extent. It's harder there because there are bigger, there's more cities like Hebron. Well, Gaza, the plan is for Gaza to be emptied. Yeah, the only way this could work is if something else comes in to distract while they continue it would be very behind useful. the headlines. Be very, but the distraction would have to be so big and well, not so a, yeah, crazy. Not even a distraction, just, just a, a widening of the war in the Middle East that then, under which then you could you could enact your final solution. Well, before we came on there, there's supposedly reports of a drone strike on a nuclear facility in central Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, separately, the U.S. announced two days ago that they've hit back at Iran-backed militants 
which is really Iraqis, but whatever, mm-hmm. with, quote, a fourth round of retaliatory airstrikes mm-hmm. in Syria and northern Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, their justification is that Iran-backed groups, i.e. the group set up by Soleimani to counter ISIS back in the day, have attacked U.S. forces more than 60 times since mid-October. That, that's been going on in the background. So mm-hmm. That could be taken up to the next level. But mm-hmm. you're, that, that would suggest that it would be done deliberately rather than organically, tit for tat, tit for tat, mm-hmm. you know, and just sort of gradually increase in the background. Mm-hmm. What think, Israel needs now is something like something, they need something a, happening. They need somebody to create a, a provocation. In the same way they created a provocation on October 7th. They need a bigger provocation that would set things off in the, in the, in the general region. False flag in the United States? Mm, I'm thinking more in Israel. More, more. It's too, maybe in the US, but I'm thinking more about the so Middle East. So you're losing, you, you sense that you're losing the sympathy card. Mm-hmm. To, to win it back bigly, you need more, vic- you need to be the victim again. Uh, yeah. Hamas can't organize anything like they did before. So it would have to be out and out false flag. Yeah. An attack against the US or Israel, yeah. That kills lots of Israeli mm-hmm. civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, but you, it's not just, if it was as simple as just dropping a nuke, someone would have done it before now. You need the backstory that links, someone has to be, it has to be shaped so that someone else is holding it. Mm-hmm. That, the bloody knife yeah, you know? Iran or or Iraq or sorry or Hezbollah Lebanon anything that draws I mean uh, you know if you, if you if you accuse and attack either one of those two you're going to draw on the other you know what I mean Hezbollah and Iran mm-hmm. you can accuse and attack one of those and they'll draw on the other maybe I'll have to wait and see anyway time's getting on we'll leave it there for this week folks Um Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, my wife told me that I had to stop impersonating a flamingo. I know, yeah. I had, what, to, put, what? I had to put my foot down. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to leave it there. <laughs> Come here for the corny jokes. I'm only, I'm only here for the corny jokes. Um, so, that's, yeah. Uh, that's we'll, good morning. Are we going to leave it there? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. done. You don't want to, you're cooked. All right. Yeah, so we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for listening, watching, commenting, etc. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with another one. So until then, have a good one. See ya. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.